will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Now, I believe one of the greatest Bible study tools that you can have is a dictionary. And even when you think you know what a word means, look it up. Amen. And you'll be amazed at how the meaning of a word, the Holy Spirit can speak to you and open up verses, and verses can open up chapters, and chapters can open up whole avenues and veins of teaching um, just by looking one word up in a dictionary. This word, I in, in, and he has nothing in me, this of course is a preposition in the Greek language, and I'm not making this up, it says this, meaning of place, which is the primary and most frequent use and spoken of everything which is conceived as being, remaining, taking place, meaning within some definite space, limits, in, on, at, by. All right, now, notice when Jesus says that the ruler of this world is coming for him, that, by the way, the ruler of this world is the devil. And Jesus said he's coming, but he has nothing in him. Let me give you this same verse from the Amplified. I'll put it on the screen. I will not talk with you much more, for the prince, evil genius ruler of the world is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. Wow. Because Jesus had given the devil no place, we see the devil had no claim. And because the devil had no claim, he had no power. No place, no claim, no power. Now before I go any further, I want to remind you of the mercies of God. The Bible doesn't just speak of the mercy singular of God, but the mercies plural of God. And we see throughout the scripture that many different things are referred to as the mercy of God. Healing, for example, in many situations just God's mercy to a person. Mercy is when God doesn't give to you what you do deserve, but instead of us getting what we deserve, He has mercy on us and would protect us or bless us or do something for us in some way. Now, thank God for His mercy. We also see that there is something higher and better, not than, than God's mercy, but I'm talking about higher and better as far as a way of life for you and me, and that's the ways of faith. That's the ways of faith. But how many of you know Father God has had mercy on people who, who weren't necessarily in the place of faith to receive what they needed in that moment, but thank God for His mercy. So this morning as we move forward into this teaching, I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't want to ask you the question until I remind you of the mercy. Because the Bible says if God should mark iniquities, who could stand? In other words, if it weren't for the mercy of God, 
none of us would be here this morning. If it weren't for the mercy of God, we have all given so much place to the devil in our lives, which has given him claim over us and power over us. If it weren't for the mercy of God, none of us would be here this morning. The devil would have already taken all of us out. But that's still no excuse for us growing up into the things of God. That's no excuse for us not being made aware of a better way, a more excellent way that God has for us. And so my question this morning is, does the devil have anything in you? Is there any place that you've given him? Is there any place that I've given him in my life? Notice if we've given him place, that means there's something that came from him or something that belongs to him that we now have in our possession, that we now have in us, so to speak, and now that becomes something that he can lay claim to should he choose to do that. It would be like two siblings where, where one of them gets the other one's socks and and, 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 and so, you know, the older sister's looking for her socks and she can't find them. All of a sudden she spots her new pair of socks on her younger sister's feet. And she says, hey, those are mine. Those belong to me. In other words, she's recognized now that her sister has possession of something that belongs to her. And notice, now she's decided to lay claim to it. When Jesus said the ruler of this world was coming for him, but that the ruler of this world had nothing in him, it meant that there was nothing from the devil or that belonged to the devil that Jesus had in his possession that the devil could use against Jesus. There was nothing that Jesus had received from the enemy that belonged to the enemy that now the enemy was going to try to lay claim to. Jesus gave him no place. And because Jesus gave him no place, the devil had no claim over him. And because the devil had no claim over him, the devil had no power over him. This is why Jesus had to surrender his life. The devil could not take Jesus' life. The devil could not kill him. The devil could not take his life because he, Jesus had given him no place. No place, no claim, no claim, no power. This is why Jesus had to lay his life down in order for his life to be, if you will, taken from him. But even then, it wasn't taken. It was given. It was given. Now, keeping this in mind, I want to draw your attention. I'll put it up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. First of all, he's not a roaring lion. He walks about as one. He's all smoke and mirrors. He's all deception and sham. He has tried and unfortunately has done a pretty good job with a lot of people in the body of Christ. He has tried for many, many, many millennia now to convince us that He's the mighty one while we're the measly one. But my brother and sister, you and I are the ones seated together with Jesus in heavenly places far above Him. Amen. He is actually the measly one and you're the mighty one. And the moment you realize that, amen, you're going to be able to start pushing Him around instead of Him constantly pushing you around. So he's like a roaring lion, and notice he's seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour anybody he chooses. He's looking for a target. He's looking for someone that he is able, that he may devour. Obviously, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to get you and me to connect some things together. If we have things that belong to the devil, if we have things that originated from him in us, something that he can lay claim to, then this gives him what? An opportunity to work in our lives. It gives him power to operate in our lives. 
John Mark and I, we were, we were moving some stuff the other day, and we were on that ramp from 59 uh, north to 65 south. Some of you have probably traveled that before, but we were sitting on the ramp, and that new, I believe it's, uh, anyway, 6th Avenue north maybe, that new ramp that runs along parallel to it. This guy came, I mean, he was, he was going really fast in a Lexus, and he was swerving. I thought, man, what's that guy doing? Next thing I know, he, he, he goes straight into the end of the guardrail. Airbags deployed, his car almost flipped. And I'm like, man, I, don't, why, I need to go over and try to help that guy, you know. And car was smoking, all of a sudden he, he gets out of his car, and he runs over to the fence and starts throwing stuff over the fence. I don't believe it was money that he was throwing over the fence. I think it was some, let's just say, contraband. Because he knew the police were coming. And he had some things that he did not want them to find in him. Are you understand what I'm saying? He was putting it away from himself. And that's what the Bible tells you and me to do. It tells us to put away, for instance, in Ephesians 4, it says, put away lying. Put it away from you. Who's the father of lies? The devil's the father of lies. Lies originate from him. Lies come from him. If we're going to be men and women who don't tell the truth, if we're going to be men and women who tell lies, notice now, we've just given place to the devil in our lives. We've taken something that originated from him. We've received it as our own. Now this gives him something to lay claim to in our lives, and it gives him power over us. Luke chapter 4, verse 13, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. This is again talking about when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness after 40 days and nights of fasting. We know that the, that the devil came to him and tempted him. And we know that Jesus defended himself against the attack of the enemy by using what? By using the Word of God, by using the sword of the Spirit. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, notice it says, he departed from him for a season. That's the King James Version. The New King James Version takes that word season and breaks it down a little further for us. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Departed from him for a, until an opportune time. Notice again, what is the devil doing? The devil is looking for an opportunity. An opportune time would be an opportunity. He's looking for an opening. He's looking for something that he can lay claim to, something that, that he can use against Jesus. I know I'm giving you a lot of verses this morning, but I'm, I'm wanting us to, to see a bigger picture. So each verse we're bringing up on the table is giving us a little more of this picture. It's helping us see this whole subject a little bit clearer. Amen? So now Ephesians 4 and 27. In Ephesians 4 and 27, from the New King James Version, it says this, Nor give place to the devil. Now verse 26 goes something like this, Be angry and sin not, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. We're going to come back and teach on that ex extensively, maybe tonight, maybe next week. Here's the simple point though. Notice 
I haven't read the verses to you yet. I've just quoted them to you. But in Ephesians 4, when he begins this section, he's going to give us a whole long list of things or ways, things that we do or ways that the devil is given place in our lives. One of them, the first one he mentions is lying. The second one is anger. And specifically, he's talking about a kind of anger that, that seethes or, or that stews just beneath the surface in our lives that ultimately leads to unforgiveness and bitterness. Okay? So notice again, where does bitterness come from? Where does unforgiveness come from? Is God a God of unforgiveness or is He a God of forgiveness? Notice, God is a God of forgiveness. So when we allow unforgiveness towards other people in our hearts, we've just accepted something into our hearts that did not come from God. It came from the devil. We've allowed bitterness in our hearts. God is not bitter. Bitterness does not come from God. Bitterness comes from the enemy. Bitterness is something that originated with him. So if we tolerate bitterness in our lives, we are accepting, allowing something in our lives that did not come from God. It came from the devil. We've now given the devil place. We've now given him something to claim that is his. And because of that, we've given him power over us. Nor give place to the devil. So I'm going to just keep your eyes on the screen. I'm going to go back to Luke 4.13. Now the devil had ended every temptation. He departed from him until an opportune time. 4.27, Ephesians 4.27, from the New King James, nor give place to the devil. But look at this same verse in the Amplified. Ephesians 4.27 from the Amplified. Leave no such room, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Give no opportunity to him. So, there in Ephesians 4, he begins the list with lying. Then he talks about anger and the anger that leads to bitterness and, and is rooted in unforgiveness. He then goes through a whole long list of things, stealing and malice and, and, and coarse jesting. He's going to talk about um, uh, loud quarreling. I'm sure nobody in this room, but you probably have neighbors, know somebody, right? Loud quarreling. Are you hearing me? He says, we've got to put these things away from us. Again, the image I want you to see is that dude coming out of that Lexus and taking his contraband and not just throwing it in the woods. He threw it over a fence into the woods, right? He was putting it away from him. The Scriptures by the Holy Spirit of God are telling you and me there are things that we need to put away from ourselves. Because the devil is like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for an opportunity. He is looking for an opportune time to lay claim to things that we've allowed in our lives that did not come from our Creator Father, but originated from the devil. This phrase, nor give him place. The Greek grammar uses a verb tense and it could be more accurately translated, stop giving place to the devil. This case would be, he's speaking to people who are giving place to the devil and they need to stop it. And they need to stop it now. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Where do we go from here? Let's do this. We'll come back and fill in some of these blanks, but turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. 
Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Proverbs 4 and 20. Praise God. The question again this morning, does the devil have anything in you? I'm not asking you if you're wearing your sister's socks. I'm asking you if you've got something that belongs to the devil that you need to put away from you this morning. You need to get it out of your possession. Because he's coming for you again. He's coming for me again. He's looking for an opportune time. He's looking for a crack in the door. He's looking for something that we've held on to, that we've got no business holding on to, that he's going to try to wait to just the right moment to lay claim to that. Have you noticed the devil will play the long game with you? Have you noticed how he'll let you think sometimes for years that you're getting away with something that you're not getting away with? He's just letting you keep on piling up stuff in your life that, do not, that does not belong in your life, things that did not come from God, and, and then right when you think everything's fine, at the worst possible time in your life, he's going to call in those debts. He's going to jerk that rug out from under you. We don't have to wait for that moment. We can put that stuff away from us now. This, we don't have to wait to till, till the end of this sermon. You can put it away from you right now. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 20. Let's begin there. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Now look at me. I'm going I'm to demonstrate inclining the ear. You ready? Here's inclining the ear. That's inclining the ear. Let's just imagine there's a bunch of folks in here talking. Bunch of people in here saying a bunch of things, and Brother Marty back there towards the back, he was trying to get my attention. I knew he was talking to me, but there were other voices. Well, if I'm trying to single out his voice over all the other voices, I'm going to turn my ear towards him to catch the sound waves coming out of his mouth, and then I'm going to put a funnel up here to, to try to funnel that his voice into my ear. When he says, incline your ear to my sayings, God's speaking here by the Holy Spirit. He's implying that there are a lot of voices in the world around us. There's a lot of people telling you what you need to do. A lot of people trying to influence you. He says we need to incline our ear to Him, and we need to listen to Him. Verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Health to all their flesh. Some of you are familiar with Brother Kenneth E. Hagan. His son is still alive and pastors and ministers. Uh, Rama Bible uh, Church and Rama Bible Training Center there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. His dad, in my opinion, is one of the greatest men of God of my lifetime. And the things that I learned from him are learned by the Holy Spirit through him, I guess we could say. Has, those things have revolutionized my life and my family. And um, when I graduated high school, 
Um, I think it was right around that time. Uh, my parents bought for me in, in these big volumes every book he had ever written. And, um, and I'm so thankful for what, again, that I learned uh, from this dear man of God. But if you know his story, he was born with a congenital heart disease, actually a deformed heart. In our modern day, they would have put him on a heart transplant list as a small child. But of course, that wasn't possible all those years ago. But in addition to the deformed heart, he also had an incurable blood disease. He said that when they would draw his blood, it was a pale orange color. And they began to prepare him for death as a child. They told him that he would not live into his adult years. Well, he said that something, and every time I say something, I'm, I'm reminded, you know, Pastor Hiawatha, he used to say for years, something just told me, something just told me, something just told me. And one day Sister Katie said, something has a name. The Holy Spirit, right? That's capital S, something. Amen. The Holy Spirit is that something telling us those right things, right? But of course, he said something. That something he found out later was the Holy Spirit just kept telling him that his answers were in the Bible. That his answers were in the Bible. Now, at 16 years of age, he was confined to a bed and was again at death's door waiting to die and he was frantically searching diligently studying the scriptures to find the answer that something told him was in the Word of God now we could talk the rest of our time together about how all this transpired let me short cut it by simply saying he found the verse in James where the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes great things but because he was ignorant of righteousness by faith, while he knew the Holy Spirit had led him to that verse, when he first found that verse, he believed that righteousness was something you established over long years of obedience and, and good living. And he knew he would not live long enough to become righteous for his prayer to make mighty power available in its working. But then the Holy Spirit led him to this revelation of righteousness, that righteousness is not about our performance or behavior, but it's about a gift. And so when he began to realize that he was righteous by faith, this was a huge turning point. And of course, there came a day when, again, other things that he learned, that he literally grabbed his legs, believing he was healed, threw his legs out of, out of bed and stood up, and the Lord instantly healed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He would correct me if he was standing here. The Lord didn't heal him when he threw his legs out of that bed. The Lord healed him when Jesus was beaten almost to death because by his stripes we were healed. He received the healing that belonged to him as a child of God when he acted on the faith in his heart and swung his legs out of that bed. Okay, thank you. Yes, Father. Praise God. All right. 
I'm telling you that whole story just to tell you this one part. People would come by to visit him. Again, he was, according to every doctor, everybody, he was dying. He was dying in front of his family's eyes. And so people would bring him comic books. 16-year-old, can't even get out of bed. They would bring him comic books, and he would lay those comic books on the bedside table and keep reading his Bible. And his family noticed, and, and the people that would come by basically, you know, to see him for the last time, they said, well, maybe he doesn't like comic books. They brought him Western novels and, and, and these things because bless his darling heart, you know, he's laying there in that bed and can't do nothing. And so they kept bringing him these things. They kept stacking up. And so they kept saying, well, look, don't you want to read this comic book? He said, are you ready now? This is what he told him. He said, I don't have time for that. They would say, well, what, what about this Western novel? It's a series of novels here. You, you, this will help you pass the time. He said, I don't have time for that. I said, what is he doing here, see? He chose to only give place to the Word of God in his heart. Do you see something here? My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. That's speaking of not just spiritual life, but it's speaking of a quality of life. And when it says health to all their flesh, guess what that means? Health to all your flesh. Physical health. Life-giving properties. I'm sure there's probably some benefit to an apple a day. There's some vitamins and nutrients in that apple a day, right? But the Word of God, the Word of God will make you a healthier man or woman by consistently taking it into your life. Now, this next verse, praise God, I know I'm out of time. Let me, let me get right here and then we'll, we'll land this plane right here. Keep your heart on Sundays. Is that what that says? Keep your heart when it's convenient. Keep your heart. King James Version says guard your heart with all diligence. Not a little bit of diligence, not some diligence. When he says all diligence, he's saying this should be one of your most important priorities. To keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, spring the issues of life. Let me give you this Verse 23 from the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. We live in a day and time when you know, people may come up to you and they may say, Hey, how you doing? And if you've ever, like, been in an office or a room or automobile or whatever, when somebody asks another person in your presence, you know, how are you doing, pay attention to how people answer that. 
the overwhelming majority of the answers are all going to involve outward physical things. They're going to say something about how they slept last night. They're going to say something about what they had for breakfast. They're going to say something about what they got planned for the weekend. They may even talk about the weather in response to how are you doing, right? Well, you know what this rain does to my bursitis, right? You know? <laughs> Amen or oh me, right? In other words, all the answers are going to be very shallow in nature. Because we think how we're doing is based upon how we're feeling, what we're experiencing, what we're anticipating, what we just experienced in our flesh. My brother, my sister, your real health has nothing to do with your outward condition. It has everything to do with your inward condition. How you are really doing is about the condition of your inward man, not your outward man. And if we would become more aware of the inward part of us and focus more on the inward part of us, we would have a whole lot more good things to talk about when somebody asks us about the outward part of us. Amen. But if you notice again our focus, our focus, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, slept good, hadn't slept good last few nights, but I slept good last night. Oh, I'm, I'm doing well, a little sore. I worked out in the yard the other day and kind of, you know, back's a little stiff, but I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know. In other words, we always answer like that. Like somehow that's the sum total and the sole determining factor of how things are with us. Everything on the outside of you is coming from a place on the inside of you. And that's the part of us that we need to guard, to keep, to protect with all diligence. When he says, nor give place to the devil. Now listen to him. You go out of here saying I said something different from this. It's all on tape and, and, and amen. See, we, we get so focused on these different behaviors we get so focused, like when we start talking about, does the devil have anything in you? And I use that example about the guy who didn't, he, obviously he had some stuff in him, that's probably why he crashed, right? And he was getting rid of the stuff that was on him. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm saying here, right? So many times, even when we start getting serious about this, we will let the devil draw our attention to things that are shallow in our flesh that certainly we need to change, certainly we need to get rid of, certainly we need to put away from us. But my friend, please, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, hatred, these things are much, much, much more powerful than some little silly thing in our flesh that we keep giving into. Are you hearing me? I'm not telling you it's okay to give in to the silly things in your flesh. But when we start talking about giving the devil no place, does he have anything in you? 
Don't let Him do a bait and switch on you and, 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 and draw your attention just to some habit in your flesh that you need to clean up and you never even consider the anger and the bitterness and the hatred and these things that you have given place to in your heart. Those things, my friend, are having much, much more devastating effect on your life. As a matter of fact, you're more than likely having problems with those things in the shallow parts of your flesh because you haven't dealt with those deeper inner things of your heart. Let me say it another way. Get rid of the anger and the bitterness and the hatred and that marijuana won't be nearly as appealing to you as it is right now. Amen. Amen. Oh, singers, musicians, come on. Praise God. Nor give place to the devil. Nor give place to the devil. I'm giving him no place. And if I have given him place and I'm not aware that I have, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show me. And I'm asking him to show you. Listen, he's, he's a deceiver. One of my favorite Keith Moore quotes is this, right? If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. And that's one of the ways that, that he deceives us, is he tricks us into giving him place in our lives. This word, issues of life, I can't wait to tell you about that tonight, but it's, it literally, the word means boundaries. It means boundaries. Think of real estate, right? Think of, think of, you know, let me say it another way. How many square feet of your life are you devoting to the things of God? How many square feet of your life are you devoting to things you want? And how many square feet of your life are, are you committing to things that, that belong to the devil? I got a long way to go, but I started cleaning out my basement yesterday, and I was thinking about that down there, right? There's only so many square feet in that basement. And the more stuff that gets put in there, right, less room I have to do what I want to do down there. Work and workbench and woodwork and stuff of that. Now, you follow what I'm saying, right? So at some point, something's got to go. And so in our lives, again, if, if your life is, is, a, is a basement, right, how many square feet of that basement do you have designated? What, how much place... There's that word again, right? Have you given to these different areas and things of your life? Praise God. Amen. Those who are serving communion, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to pray as you come. Father, thank you this morning for the things that you're teaching us, the things that you're revealing to us. Thank you, Father, once again for your mercies. Father, if you should immediately judge and punish sin the moment it's committed, then who could stand? That's what... The Old Testament says, and of course, Father, we don't just have the mercy of the Old Testament, we've got the grace of the blood of Jesus in the New Testament. But still, Father, there's so much that you're wanting to do in our lives that you're not able to do because we haven't given you place to do. And one of the reasons we haven't given you place to do it, Father, is we've got so many square feet of our lives filled with things that didn't come from you, that aren't of you, that aren't what you have for us. So help us, Father, become aware of those things. Help us, Father. Give the devil no place so that he has no claims, so that he has no power. In Jesus' name, amen.
and amen. They're going to begin to serve you communion. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to partake of communion together with us today. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a member of us. Amen. So thank you for um, uh, the men. Thank you for serving.